What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Well, as Ben Schrager doesn't know, in the movie Billy Madison, nope, Happy Gilmore. In the movie Happy Gilmore, he says, it's too old. You can't throw him out. He's he's old. Too old. He talks, talks about a great movie, Adam. What are you talking about? You don't about? know that movie. Get out of here. We're talking about old players today. Old wide receivers. Plus your questions. Fantasy football at CBSI.com and Apple Podcasts. So the guys we're talking about today, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, Julian Edelman, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey a little bit, Antonio Brown. These guys are 30 or older or will be 30 or older going into this season. And what does that mean for wide receivers? Are they showing signs of decline? How concerned are we? And, of course, we'll answer questions about how to set up your rosters this year, Michael Thomas, uh, the Packers offense, keeper questions, dynasty questions. I'm going to ask... Heath and Jamie about the Scott Fishbowl, and Jamie's back. So welcome back, Jamie. How was your, uh, I don't know, almost week off from the show? What'd you, what'd you do? Anything fun? Uh, finishing up our, our second magazine. So um, just doing some writing, not exactly, uh, um, nothing nothing like fun, fun, but it's fun, you know, to, to write those stories that we have for our magazine. And our, our first edition of our magazine is on newsstands now. You can find that at hopefully your local grocery store if you're able to go. Uh, it's a great read. And the second magazine will be just as good. I don't know if I should ask you guys this question, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's what I do. Uh, you have a lot of responsibilities at CBS. Podcasting, writing, video. I guess that's the crux of it, but it's a lot. Uh, what's we, your we clean the bathrooms too. What's your favorite thing to do? Um, my favorite thing to do is probably... FFT video, um, but they're all equal. Likes fun. to be a host, huh? You like to host. I enjoy I enjoy the the host producer role that I have on that show. Yes, Heath, how about you? Oh, I think we lost Heath. We'll have to get him out. I was wondering. He looked awfully <laughs> still for a while. <laughs> it's a good pose. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, Heath is just let. <laughs> all right, we'll see if we can get him back. There he is. The pose change. Hey, there he is. Heath, what's up? You there? All right, we're working through it, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm trying. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, okay. Heath, did you, did you hear the question I asked? Uh, no. I heard you talking about um, Billy Madison. Oh, that was it. That was a while ago. My question was, 
all the things you do at CBS video writing podcasting what is your favorite thing to do um mostly podcasting there's only one bad part about podcasting <laughs> <laughs> I know the the internet connection apparently okay um so let's uh let me uh, also we're gonna talk about Raheem Mostert and um Scott Fishbowl a little bit but let me start with this before we get into these guys individually. Which of these older wide receivers that I that I mentioned are you worried about from an age perspective? Like, obviously, you could be worried about Julian Edelman with the quarterback situation not being Brady anymore. But but just from like, okay, it's time for him to really decline. Jamie, who, which guy uh, or guys are you worried about in that regard? Uh, I mean, quarterback situation notwithstanding, it's Edelman. Um, you know, he's thirty four. He has uh, struggled with injuries uh, several times throughout his career. Last year, he played through it. But, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy that, um, you know, if he loses a step, given what he does, which he's not exactly a burner to begin with, but if he loses a step and, and with the quarterback situation factored into it, he's the one that I have the most concern for of the guys that we're probably going to discuss that you're taking in the you know early part of the draft. I think Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are in a different category. And for now, Antonio Brown. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, the, the guys that you could draft as potential starters, Edelman is the one that probably I worry about the most, which is why I haven't ranked where I do. Okay. Heath, uh, same question to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about Julian Edelman. No, nope, that's not the question. <laughs> what do you mean? That's oh, wait, not wait, the wait. Actually, I don't remember if you, you, oh, you answered the podcasting question. Okay. Uh, I did. The we, question so we, was yeah, what, yeah, old, yeah. what old wide receivers am I concerned about? I thought <laughs> we just had an eight minute break for technical issues. So I forgot what Heath had actually answered. Yes. Heath, um, same wide receiver question for you. I missed a yes. lot. Apparently <laughs> I am a little concerned about Julian Edelman. I'm a little bit concerned about Adam Thielen because I don't know. I'm a little concerned about T Y Hilton. I'm not sure Adam Thielen can lose a step like Julio. I feel pretty confident could lose a step and he'd still be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I'm not sure what Adam Thielen is. If he gets a step slower. Thielen and Hilton are on the young end of this discussion, but they're they're both like feels like they're maybe breaking down. They've been dinged up uh, recently. Okay, we'll get into those guys a little bit later. If you want to know, I, I looked at some of like the great wide receivers and how they did at this age. Jerry Rice doesn't count. He was good at age forty. It's not fair how much better Jerry Rice was than everyone else. Uh, Marvin Harrison, great at age 34. Reggie Wayne, 32, was really great. Then he started to decline a little bit. Terrell Owens uh, was great at age 35. Andre Johnson, his last great season was age 32. Same with Randy Moss. So, yeah, I mean, there's a history of great wide receivers being good into in their early 30s. Some of them into closer to their mid-30s, and Jerry Rice is just an absolute freak. Uh, let's talk about Raheem Mostert, though. Huge topic. He He wants a trade. Jamie, you read on this. Uh, if I were any member of the Texans, I would hide Bill O'Brien's phone. Um, <laughs> I think uh, he's just in a, in a tough spot. You know, I mean, based on his age, I think he's, what, 27? Um, he's got a cheap contract. I think he's got $6 million owed to him over the next two years. I uh, would be surprised if the 49ers budge unless somebody comes and gives them a, a significant offer to, you know, pry Raheem Mostert away. He was awesome last year for them. He took advantage, I think, of just being in a great system with a great offensive line and, and play caller. I don't know if he would you know, have that advantage somewhere else, but uh, it's interesting when you're doing a slow draft like we are now with the Scott Fishbowl, when news like that breaks and how many people run to draft Tevin Coleman and how quickly they do so. 
Uh, it's not a bad idea if you're in a dynasty league to go try and maybe get Tevin Coleman if you could still get him as cheap as he was. But Mostert's not in the best of standing right now, so it may help his value if he's still a member of the 49ers and is the still lead back as we expected. Heath, what do you want to see happen for, for Mostert, for Coleman? Do you want him to get traded? I mean... I- I don't think it's very realistic. Like someone's going to give something up to pay Raheem Mostert more money than he's scheduled to make. I don't, I feel, I feel for the guy because Tevin Coleman got paid. Jarek McKinnon got more than him. Kyle Juszczyk probably gets three times as much as him and he's really good and it sucks, but I think he's going to stay there. I think it's just the way it is. I was watching. I'm sure you guys remember the saints 49ers game last night. Uh, not, I was watching it last night. You remember the saints 49ers game was just an absolute classic the 49ers are trolling the Saints over that game, if you saw. No, I was not. I did not see that. Uh, they wear a mask, um, I guess, uh, sentiment or, or ad that they sent out was the face mask on George Kittle. <laughs> George Kittle? Yeah. That's good. And oh, I think my God. I think, was... the ad, I think it's be a saint, wear a mask. Oh, that's good. That was yeah. that was like a crazy face mask. That should have been like a 45-yard penalty. Right. Um, And that set up the game-winning field goal. But... I was watching that game because I just wanted to see a little bit of Raheem Mostert. I am just obsessed with Kyle Shanahan. He is incredible. And when you think about Mostert led the NFL in yards per carry, Jimmy Garoppolo, I gave the stat yesterday. The last three quarterbacks, Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, Garoppolo, top five in yards per attempt. You got all the yards after catch. I mean, the scheme is so good. Um, Yet, Tevin Coleman didn't do very well last year. Maybe it was, he got hurt in week one. Maybe he played the whole year hurt. Uh, but Raheem Mostert was so much better than Tevin Coleman. I don't know. There's two things there. There's like everybody excelled in that offense last year from an efficiency standpoint. But Coleman didn't. Coleman was never as good as Devontae Freeman. He wasn't as good as Raheem Mostert. What do you make of all that? You know, uh, It's a lot there. Sorry. But what do you make of that, Heath? I do think there's some... Um likelihood that Tevin Coleman was not 100% for most of the year last year. Um, Going into last year, there was really not much doubt amongst anyone in the NFL who was the better running back, Tevin Coleman or Raheem Mostert. We talked about this situation quite a bit during the NFC West projections um, podcast, and I still think it's like pretty much a 50-50 thing. I think Tevin Coleman will do more in the passing game. Raheem Mostert will get more carries. I don't expect Mostert to maintain that level of efficiency. I do think Coleman will be more efficient this year. And to be fair, Adam, I mean, he did have some good games before Mostert started to take over. I mean, the Carolina game was That awesome. was it, though. That was really well, it. Well, I mean, his first game back, week five against Cleveland, was really good. Was it? I mean, I think it was good because he scored it was no, good. he had 16 carries for 97 yards. He was six yards a carry and had a touchdown. He okay. had, well, that's, that is a good game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but no, but 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 no, I was looking at. It. I mean, the, the, he had a lot of bad games. That was, he had bad. He had two terrible games right after that. And, well, the game against Washington, if you remember, that was the weird yeah. one in the rain. Mm-hmm. And then the Carolina game was just a weird one on the other end of the spectrum. And, he and the, the the first game of the playoffs, he ran for 105 yards and two touchdowns against the Vikings. Yep. All right, but if we look at the full season, I mean, 3.9 yards per carry when both Brita and Mostert were over five. So, I, uh, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't good. He wasn't good. But you know, the question becomes is if if he's the guy, and you look at the game log, you know, I'm I'm staring at it right now. So from week 13, the final five games of the season, he didn't have more than five carries. 
you know, so if he's getting that work with what Mostert was doing, maybe those numbers are better. All right, so you're drafting right now. Knowing that Raheem Mostert wants a trade, do you move him down a little bit? Do you move Coleman up a little bit, or do you just keep it the same? I switched it. I, I put them back-to-back, back, but I dropped Mostert about five spots, and I moved Coleman up about 10. I, as we talked about yesterday, I, I've got – I had them um, basically right where Jamie has them now, I think. I'm not moving them. Well, how could, so, Jamie, why did you do that? Why did, That's a very strong reaction. Well, no, it's it's just, you know, you're kind of hedging a little bit. Again, you know, like I said, we're, we're in the middle of doing our magazine, so that's kind of for, you know, if you're picking it up and you're seeing this a, a few weeks from now as well. Um, if they trade Mostert, that's kind of the range where I think Coleman will, will he'll, he'll move up from that spot. You know, and, and Mostert, if he goes to a timeshare, even worse, then he can go down. So, you know, it depends on what you're doing. You know, all these drafts that we're talking about now are, are, are looking ahead, you know, what, six weeks, eight weeks, well, two months, I don't know, whatever the season starts. And even um, before this, Jamie, you didn't have them separated by near as much as ADP did, right? Like you had them closer. That we, I think ADP was Mostert in the fourth round and Tevin Coleman in the 10th or 11th. I had Mostert like a sixth or seventh round pick, depending on format. Okay. And Coleman probably in the 9, 10 range, yeah. Okay, final question. If Tevin Coleman does get traded, where would you rank? Sorry, if Raheem Mostert does get traded, where would you rank Tevin Coleman? You know, somebody brought up yesterday that there, there's still a running back out there that knows Kyle Shanahan pretty well, Devontae Freeman. <laughs> you know, oh. so you wonder if they'd make a, a move like that. Um, I, I would probably put Coleman where I had Mostert. You know, somewhere in the in the late 20s. I I would not move Coleman because I would just assume that Jeff Wilson or Jarek McKinnon or Devontae Freeman or someone else was going to get the work they were going to give to Mostert. Okay. So let's uh, talk about uh, the Scott Fishbowl for just a moment. But first, we got a big week coming up. We got tiers next week. You'll get tiers at the all four positions, breaking down the positional tiers all week long, starting with quarterbacks on Monday. We've got a mock draft on Twitch on Tuesday, a non-PPR mock draft. Twitch.com slash FF today. Follow along, become a subscriber. And if you want our newsletter, that's free to subscribe to, cbssports.com slash newsletter. Stay up to date with all of the fantasy football content you need delivered right to your inbox. And we have other newsletters as well. So uh, fantasy baseball, NFL. So uh, cbssports.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Have there been, give me one like difficult decision that you had to make in the Scott Fishbowl, and we can have a little kind of rankings debate here on the show. Heath. Um, wow. I thought you were going to, like, I've been waiting all week for you to ask me to talk about my team and like the players that I have. Everybody wants to tell you about their team, and now you're just going to make me think about the draft instead. And I wasn't prepared for that. Well, question. you think I'll give you, I'll give you two. Um, one that worked out for me, and one that I don't know if it'll work out. So I was debating as my second quarterback, Jared Goff versus Baker Mayfield. And I took Goff, I think it was round seven. And then three rounds later, Baker Mayfield was still there in round 10. So I took him as my third. Oh, round. what a feeling. So That's the, the best other one, feeling in fantasy. Was, <laughs> the other one, which was uh, something that we'll see if it works out, was uh, my third running back, Ronald Jones and Damian Williams. And so I ended up taking Ronald Jones. Uh, I thought maybe there was a chance Damian Williams got back to me the next round. He did not. He went at the end of the round. Uh, but that was one I was struggling with. You know, the potential lead back for... Tampa Bay, who could lose his job to Keyshawn Vaughn, or the potential second back to Damian Williams, who could still be the lead back uh, for the Chiefs, uh, depending on how things go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So um, I thought, you know, with what Jones could do as a rusher, uh, hopefully with some first downs, more touchdown potential, I think, if, you know, he is the lead guy there in Tampa Bay, that I took him over Williams, but we'll see. Uh, If it was full PPR, I would have taken Williams for sure. 
Heath, what do you think about those that decision specifically? Williams versus Jones. Uh, I have them like in coin flip territory. I do Thanks. think I have Jones maybe one spot higher in this format. Um, I think either one of them could be top 20 backs this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's like that's a genuine tough one. I, I, I'll give you my two biggest regrets. How about that? Because I love my team. This draft has mostly gone like I wanted it to. Round four, there had already been 15 quarterbacks taken in my league. I did not have one. And I had 14 picks until I picked again. So I felt like I kind of had to take a quarterback, but DJ Moore was still there. I took Ben Roethlisberger over DJ Moore. And in the next like six rounds, four quarterbacks were drafted in my draft. I got <laughs> Daniel Jones in round seven after taking Big Ben in round four. So uh, that was a mistake. I, I didn't know that the quarterback run was going to stop, but it did. And if I could have taken DJ Moore and then probably get, got Ben in round five, that would have been great. And then round 15, I decided it was time. This is like, it doesn't do a whole lot of good to finish third in this whole thing. Like you need to have a great team. So I decided it was time to swing for the fences on Antonio Brown. Um, took him in round 15 and then realized about six picks left later that Chase Edmonds was still available. <laughs> and I wish I had taken Chase Edmonds. Why over Antonio Brown? Um, I think it like they both have, Enormous upside, but obviously Edmonds, Edmonds, so than Brown, though. Edmonds needs an injury. Well, Brown, Brown needs, needs to get on a team <laughs> and not be yeah. suspended. Well, I, I just <laughs> well, I really wonder if he's like? going to be suspended because I, I mean I feel like he was basically suspended for 15 games. Yeah, we don't know don't though. Care. They don't care. I don't. Know. I don't have any. I mean, I don't have a lean. I told you yesterday. I don't have a strong lean whether he will or not. I think it's about 50-50. And if he goes to the team that seems most likely in Seattle, is he going to be as good as he's been? You know, no, that would be off. awful. I really hope um, that doesn't happen. Oh, you'd be awful I, for everybody. For Honestly. everybody, yeah. Sever Wilson. For Wilson. <laughs> I would probably move towards Ben's projection of Russell Wilson if they did that. I think if they go sign Antonio Brown, that probably means they're going to do what Russell Wilson wants and throw the ball more. Yeah. Yeah, Wilson becomes the easy third quarterback without question. You know, he's in the conversation already. But you know, right. he, he'd be the slam dunk. He's my quarterback. He's, he's, I took him in the second round of, of the fishbowl. By the way, for the fishbowl, uh, if you don't know, there's what you start two quarterbacks, a super flex. You start two quarterbacks, you start two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, and then four flexes. Uh, and it's half PPR for everybody, except tight ends, it's full PPR. So tight ends go early, quarterbacks go early in this format. And Jamie. So you don't have to start two quarterbacks. No, but you do because it's super flex. Yeah. So it's five, five flexes, one could be a super flex. Yeah, that's why I said you start two quarterbacks with four flexes, really, because that's for most people, it's going to be that way. Um, I have Damian Williams, and I, I wanted to see if Ronald Jones was on the board when I drafted him, and Jones actually went the pick before. <laughs> so I didn't have it's to make that call. choice. And, and it's, it's funny, Heath, you know, that, that's, that's a good point you brought up about Roethlisberger, because um, like I said, I was happy to get Baker Mayfield with Jared Goff, but if, I, if you would have told me that I could get Baker three rounds later, I would have taken another position where I took Goff and then gone for Philip Rivers or Minshew or right. you know Tyrod Taylor or somebody else as a third quarterback, you know, the next round. So when you well, when you have things like that happen to you, Adam, you're right. It works out well because you got the you know two guys that you wanted, but at the same time, you know, you're leaving something else on the table if if you did have that choice still available to you. 
I can't remember if I said this earlier in the week or not, but Dave and I both have Big Ben and Daniel Jones as our starting quarterbacks. Dave took Jones in round four and Ben in round five. I took Ben in round four and Jones in round seven. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you just don't have any, you can't hardly compare leagues. Yep. And you're drafting with strangers, so you don't know any tendencies. I want to ask you guys about this kind of predicament. Um, I I like Marlon Mack better than Carrion Johnson, but... I had DeAndre Swift, and both Mac and Johnson were on the board in round nine-ish, something like that. And I took Carryon Johnson to get that backfield, and I could start both of those lines right best. I mean, I don't really want to, but I, you know, I went away from my theoretical rankings to lock up a backfield in that situation. I think in a normal league that would have made sense. In this format, I probably would have taken Mac because there's a lot. There's a lot of upside if Swift wins the job and Mac wins the job. With Swift and Johnson, you can probably only have one of them be good. Yeah, that's true. I felt like most likely scenario is not is none of them are great. But if I well, had I mean, both yeah. Lions guys, then I might get a great one. True, but if Taylor's bad or gets hurt for the Colts, Marlon yeah, Mack yeah. would be amazing. He would be. He wouldn't be amazing. Like he would be what he was last year in theory. He'd be amazing oh, at the price tag. Maybe a little bit uh, at the price tag. Yeah, be a little bit better with Rivers, just better offense. But all right, well, that's always an interesting one. Is sort of like, do you go away from your rankings in the context of the rest of your team? You have to. Okay. Well, good. I don't regret it. Let's go through these wide receivers, uh, and then we'll get to the emails and the Apple Podcast questions. All right, so just tell me like how you're feeling about Julio Jones, basically. Are you concerned about his age? Are you concerned about the fact that he had a 20.6% target share before Calvin Ridley's injury, and then a 35.6% target share without Calvin Ridley? And those last three games that he played without Ridley uh, were, were huge for him. And, you know, he, he showed a little bit of decline last year. He showed a little bit of a step back. Last year. I don't want to call it decline, but um, maybe it was. I don't know. What's your level of concern for Julio Jones, who's... 31 years old. I don't have a level of concern of him being terrible. I have a level of concern with him being drafted as a first-round pick that if he does struggle a little bit, then you passed on one of those running backs toward the end of the first round or Tyree Kill potentially or maybe Chris Goblin or DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Kelsey, you know, the other guys that are going in that range. My other concern is that in the first six games, I think it was after Muhammad Sanu was traded, Calvin Ridley was better than him. And so if Ridley is better than him, and by the numbers that it was, I think it was like 17 points to 14 points per game, PPR, uh, the average, if if I remember correctly, um, that did you take the wrong Falcons receiver in in the wrong spots? You know, because Ridley's going to go somewhere around three-ish, you know, maybe slips around four in some leagues, maybe it's round two, back into round two in some others. But uh, you know, did you just make a mistake? So I don't think that Julio, barring injury, just falls off the map. You know, like what we saw for uh, Andre Johnson, for example, or Reggie Wayne, like you said, um, Randy Moss. But if he does have just a little bit of slippage, like he said, you know, he could lose a step and still be great. Um, but if he loses two steps or, you know, injuries become a problem again just because of age, you know, that's the concern. I, I do like the fact that the Falcons losing Sanu knowing Julio's getting up in age, even paying him last year, that they brought in nothing. No draft, no free agent. You know, they may really love Russell Gage um, and, and and believe that Ridley has number one potential, but I, I think they tell you that that Julio should be fine and hopefully he should still be 
at a very high level, play at a very high level. And, and Adam, you've given that stat over the first 13 or 12 games, actually, for yeah. Julio because he missed one game. Um, he was on pace for 92 catches, 1,355 yards, and five touchdowns at that stretch. So, like, he may have only had a 20. I'm not sure. Did, when you're cal- calculating his 20.5% target share, are you calculating as of how many games, how many passes they'd thrown at that point in the season? Because he'd not played one of the games. I don't think so. I think I looked at because he was on pace for three fewer catches and forty fewer yards than he finished with. I'll double check. I'll double check because I know I thought you were going to ask me if I had Matt Schaub stats in there, which I did. Um, I will. I will check on that. But either way, it wasn't like he had really been bad before those. No, last no, games. no. He'd been fair. He'd been a top eight receiver is maybe not a top three receiver that's the thing you know whenever you talk about this it's like how comfortable are you with the drop off if there is a drop off so if he's being drafted as the third receiver and he finishes as the eighth receiver is that a win or a loss it's fine like it's, it's not a well, win all right but I, so let me ask push. you this right you can draft julio jones in round one or calvin ridley in round, round three let's say you have like the ninth pick what are you gonna do ridley yeah, I mean, you know, typically I think most answers the two of us give are usually on the latter side of things based on value. So, you know, if Ridley, like I said, th- that six-game stretch, I-, I wish I had the numbers in front of me. I'm sorry that I don't, but he was better. And then Julio just had that monster three-game finish when Ridley was out, even though Hooper was back. You know, part of that Hooper was, was missing as well. Now, Hayden Hurst could be an absolute stud and and takes away from both of them. But I think just the fact that, None of us expect this offense to change dramatically, even with Gurley being what will hopefully be an upgrade over what Devontae Freeman was last year. So, you know, they're still going to be in the, I don't know where you have it projected, Heath, but top five pass attempts, I would say that's that's fair, you know, for what Dirk Cutter's offenses typically have been. If they're not number one, Julio's still going to probably lead the team in targets. You know, so even though Ridley takes a step forward, remember Ridley missed time with injury last year too, you know, so it's not like he's just uh, completely absolved from, you know, being 100% healthy. So I think this is an offense that's going to flow through Matt Ryan and, and their passing game. They have three significant targets, and Julio is the best. Is this the year that he's going to completely break down? I would bet against that. So uh, going from the third guy, most likely, I, I, I don't do any of you anticipate Tyreek Hill being drafted ahead of him based on ADP? Because I don't. I think he's still going to be fourth at best. I think he's he goes, actually going. Let me double check. I think he's going. PPR? He's going ahead of Julio already? Uh, I know Hopkins is. Let's see. Oh, I guess Hopkins. Yeah, it's, so top yeah five, it right? is. It's Thomas, Adams, Hopkins, Hill, Julio. Actually, Heath, what's the format on NFC? Half? I think they have PPR and half in there together, but there's no non. So I don't think I would anticipate yeah, our ADP to be him ahead of Tyreek and ahead of Hopkins. Yeah, same. All right, let's and go to our to next answer the question. I've got I've got the Falcons with the most pass attempts and Julio with the third most targets. AJ Green league. is yeah. next, guys. Um, AJ Green, 32 years old. He's never been worse than wide receiver 13 in non-PPR or 16 in PPR, and that's per game. But it's actually kind of skewed because there's been two seasons where he played one game with like one target, including 2018. And that was when I think he finished like outside the top 12 per game, but he was really more like a top eight wide receiver. If you remove, he really, he really ruins it because it was, it was a perfect eight game. Just double it. You get the 16 game pace. It's perfect. He had to play that one stupid game where he got hurt again. (laughs) Right? No, you're right. And and so in 2018, he played eight games and you just double his stats, 90 target, 90 catches, 
1,374 yards, 12 touchdowns on 152 targets. That was an amazing season. Uh, you know, so what's your what's your level of concern for AJ Green? A lot. Yeah. Um, we like we didn't see him play last year. He missed set basically eight games, but seven games the year before that. He missed six games in 2016. Like this, you mentioned it with Hilton and Thielen. It kind of seems like they're falling apart. Well, AJ Green's two years older and has a lot more injury concerns. He's got a ton of upside. Um, I've kind of just hedged on where I have him ranked. If he plays 16 games, he's probably going to be a top 15 receiver. But there's there's significant risk, especially with all the other wide receivers on that team. He's played more than 10 games just once since 2015. You know, so it's it's troubling. And you know, it's uh I, I was thinking about just as you were mentioning AJ Green, I probably should have said him over Julian Edelman in terms of who I have more concern for because of where Green is being drafted. So I think when you look at it, he's never played for Zach Taylor. You know, missed all of last year, Taylor's first season. Never played with Joe Burrow. Going to step on the field for the first time. God knows when, you know, when they get on a chance to play together. I don't know if they've thrown together. Maybe that's been the case, but I haven't seen that reported. So I apologize if that's the case. Um, if everybody's healthy and they do do what they're going to, what they say they're going to do and play T. Higgins in his rookie season a lot, then you're talking about if Ross is healthy, Boyd we know is going to command a significant target share. Higgins will get some targets. And I do think that Joe Mixon is the key to all of this because if Mixon is healthy and builds off of what they did last year where he's getting so much work and maybe a little bit more involved in the passing game, then I think it's going to be hard for Green to get that same target share that he's been used to when he was the dominant force for the Bengals offense. So uh, as far as I know, he hasn't signed his, his franchise tender yet either. Uh, doesn't sound like they're going to work out a long-term deal. Why would they if you're the Bengals? So he may still decide, you know, I'm not going to show up until week one and, and just, you know, go out and see if he can prove his worth. You always want to bet on elite players when they have a chance to earn money and he's trying to earn money. But at 32, um, I don't know if he's still that same guy. So I'm probably out on AJ Green based on where you have to draft him. I think Heath is right. If he plays 16 games, he has a chance to be a top 15 guy. But, you know, the track record so far suggests he's not going to play 16 games. And I uh, just did a quick Google search. The only thing I can find referencing is it's from two weeks ago. Joe Burrow and AJ Green still trying to plan offseason workouts. So I don't believe they've done any workouts together yet. And I have been trying to furiously find out if I forgot about that game Julio Jones missed when I give that stat. I may have. If I did, it's more like he had a 22.7% target share with Calvin Ridley, which is still pretty low for him. Um, well, I'll try to figure that out for a, an upcoming podcast. So AJ Green, I know you're not excited, I guess, to draft him, but he's going back to back with Tyler Boyd. So who would you rather have? Still Green. Still green. And how about Marquise Brown or A.J. Green? Still green, but it wouldn't shock me if Brown is better. Yeah, I'll still take green. Okay. So, you know, it almost seems like green is is getting to the point where he might be a value at wide receiver 29. Oh, 29 is, is definitely worth it. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about somewhere near 20, that's the problem. Let me lump these next two together. Adam Thielen and T.Y. Hilton. They're both 30 or will be 30 this season. They've both missed some time or played through injury the last few seasons, but they've both been really, really good when they've been healthy, except you can't really say that for Hilton last year, but gosh, I'm blaming that on Brissett. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so who are you more concerned about, Thielen or Hilton? Thielen just because of where you have to draft him. All right, well, take that out of the equation, I guess. 
I'm more concerned about Hilton based on what he has to do. Like speed is his game. Heath, how about you? Yeah, yeah I, I would say Hilton just because like there's, we talked about it earlier in the week, his average depth of target went down a lot last year and he still didn't do anything at all after the catch. And so I've got a little concern that he's just not quite as good as he was. And we've already seen that decline and we're just blaming it on Jacoby Brissett. And then I don't know for sure how much Philip Rivers has declined. Like I'm, I feel pretty confident that he's better than Jacoby Brissett, but I don't know how good he is. I don't know that T Y Hilton has an above average quarterback. Okay. It's a great point, especially with what we've been talking about a lot, even though Gary Kubiak is technically a change from Kevin Stefanski. He was there last year. The system is probably going to be the same. So you have, Offense coordinator, quarterback, and number one receiver, everything's the same, status quo. Rivers, I know he knows Frank Reich's system, but he's still going into a new scenario, has to know what T.Y. Hilton likes to do. And they added several parts, you know, two significant ones, running back in Jonathan Taylor and, you know, another receiver in Michael Pittman. I know the Vikings add Justin Jefferson, and he's a big, hopefully, potential piece of that offense. But, again, he's got to work his way up to speed and step into a big role, you know where Kirk Cousins, I think, is going to lean when he's in trouble. One thing I want to say about Hilton that people might not be aware of, 1,400 receiving yards is like a huge season. He has been on pace for for more than 1,400 receiving yards in 2014, 2016, and 2018. And that was with a healthy Andrew Luck. Um, And his target share in those three seasons, in the games he was healthy, sometimes I don't have time to go through all that I just do like okay here's a 16 game pace here's how many passes they do but this is actually the games he played his target share was 20.2% 26.7% which is very high for him and 22.3%. So he does a lot when he catches the ball great yards per catch guy but that I mean that's just really impressive. TY Hilton's I think a little underrated because he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. But on pace for more than 1400 yards in 3 of the last 5 seasons and really suffered when Andrew Luck hasn't played is basically what it's been. Um so, yeah, you don't even have to react to that. I just wanted to throw a little love I think, his way. You know, if, if you're not afraid of these two guys, these are very good receivers if you go running back, running back to start your draft because Thielen should be there in round three. And Hilton, round four is probably on the early side for him, but round four, round five is, uh, I think, where he's going to live. He may about, start to push up in terms of... about round six? And, uh, you know, it's just crazy, this NFC ADP. It is so running back heavy, but... I'll give you where they are among wide receivers. Adam Thielen is wide receiver 15, and T.Y. Hilton is wide receiver 26. That seems like Hilton's. You like Hilton better? But I I would, again, I would have no problem taking these two guys as my starting receivers. Uh, Hilton is one for me in in the fishbowl. So, um, you know, I I think, again, if if Rivers does what he hopefully will do and. (laughs) And what he's done with Keenan Allen in the past, I don't know if they're the same profile because I don't think they are. But um, there's there's a lot to like about what Hilton can be, like you said, Adam, what he's been with Andrew Luck. So I'm I'm excited about Hilton as well. By the way, if you're playing along at home and you're looking at NFC ADP and it's not matching up, I changed the date range to June first. At some point in July, I'll probably go mid June, maybe even July first or whatever. But right now, I'm looking at June first through July. Ninth, as we record here on the ninth. Uh, Julian Edelman, he's the oldest one in this group, 34 years old. Talked about him a little bit. Uh, it really, though, you look at catch rate, you look at yards per catch, he's the same guy for six straight years. <laughs> he's not showing any decline. So, Heath, what do you make of that? Or is there something I'm missing? Is there any statistical decline for Julian Edelman? 
Well, I think the nice thing for Edelman is he was never really hyper efficient. <laughs> like it was just that he got a ton of targets and he caught a bunch of passes. Um, so, and I don't know that like he does, it's not like he succeeded based on great athleticism. He runs good routes and he's really crafty. I don't know how much of that you lose with age. So yeah, I could see him aging. Well, it's it more for him is, is less of an age thing and more of an injury and new quarterback thing. And will this team throw as much as they have in the past? Uh, have you, since we last spoke, we did the emergency pod with, with cam signing. Have you changed your opinion at all on Julian Edelman? Because he was pretty much unmoved in your rankings after they signed Cam. I, I bounced him up a little bit. I've got him at wide receiver 28 in PPR right now. He's such Basically, a different player. I draft him in non-PPR. He's, he's such a different player than T.Y. Hilton. I mean, they're like polar opposites. Uh, who would you rather have in PPR? Hilton. Same. Okay, so any format then. And uh, in terms of ADP, Julian Edelman is wide receiver 36 in between the Texans guys. Fuller, Edelman, Cooks. Thoughts? In PPR, that's great. In non-PPR and half PPR, I think that's about right. Yeah, in PPR, I'd definitely take him over Fuller and Cooks. Why can't Cam Newton and Julian Edelman do what Tom Brady and Julian Edelman did? They could, but there's just uncertainty. That They could, but that's... When you talk about quarterback receiver rapport, that's about as good as it gets. I mean, you know, they're they're friends off the field. They probably spend a lot of time, you know, running routes together and, and throwing the ball. You know, Brady knew exactly those option routes. You know, it, it's what he did with Wes Welker too. You know, it, it's just the he he sees where the linebacker lines up. He knows what Edelman's going to do based on where that guy stands in the middle of the field. He sees where the cornerback lines up. He knows which way Edelman's going to go and how he's going to break off his route. Those are not things that you. Um, that you can get by without just knowing year over year and time over time. And, and, you know, they just announced the cam deal today <laughs> on, on July 9th. I know he's been throwing with Muhammad Sanu. He's been throwing with Nikhil Harry. I'm sure there'll be a, a, a session with Julian Edelman, but you know, they're late in the game. And so I, you know, I, I think Edelman will hopefully be a good value pick if he continues to fall, which is great, but to expect the same, you know, hundred catch, 1,200, 1,300 yards, whatever he, whatever he typically is, 1,100 yards. Yeah, like 11. Um, and, and and six or seven touchdowns when things are right, you know, that that's probably not realistic, especially with, you know, Sanu for a full season and hopefully Harry better. All right, Philadelphia wide receivers. They're old. Deshaun Jackson's 33 and Alshon Jeffrey's 30. Seems like Alshon Jeffrey's older than Deshaun Jackson, though, which is the way they're, they're the two of them have aged. Um, let me ask you this. How realistic do you think it is that that Alshon Jeffrey has a good fantasy season? Uh, season, probably not a good season. Stretch of games, he could be one of these guys that you pick up off waivers that helps you win a league. Yeah, or or I mean, if he starts, he could start the season out really, really well and get you off to a fast start if he happens to be ready at the start of the year, and then probably gets hurt again midseason. But like I. One of these guys has a great opportunity, and if neither of them there is there, then Jalen Rager has a great opportunity to be the number one wide receiver on the Eagles. Yeah, I guess I mean we already talked about Deshaun Jackson. At this point, I'm just I'm just going to talk about him from a fantasy standpoint, um, mm-hmm. and we'll just leave it at that. And the same thing with Antonio Brown. Everybody can make their own decisions about who they want on their fantasy teams. Uh, so no judgment here, and I'm just not even going to get into it. But um, as far Unless as he's sh- suspended. 
of course, if he's suspended, right. we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, as far as Sean Jackson goes, Jamie, he's 33 years old. And he's another guy who's very much speed-based. Mm-hmm. Based on the one healthy game he played last year, he's still yep. fast. What do you think uh, about him You know, at this age? Uh, I wish we would phrase it differently. <laughs> um, uh, what what I expect him to do on the field is, um, you know, I think it's so contingent on everybody else. You know, if, if Alshon's not there, um, I was, you know, going through the the Eagles' outlooks today, and I wonder what role Marquise Goodwin's going to play. You know, what what what's his impact going to be? Because he does similar things. He's not as good as Sean Jackson and, and hasn't been, but he can do some similar things. Um, you know, clearly there's a rapport with Carson Wentz that he doesn't have with Jalen Rager. He's not going to have with the other two rookies of Quez Watkins and, and John Hightower and, and, and Rager as well. Um, but you know, we've seen what Jackson's upside is. So he's one of those guys that you draft, uh, if you're so inclined a, a swing for the fences type of player, uh, understand that there's probably gonna be some missed time because he's missed a lot of time in, in his career. And at 33, you know, that doesn't help his, his cause. So, uh, late round pick, I think that's, uh, uh, a, a good move again if you're so inclined to draft him based on what he can do on the field but it's a very crowded receiving core and we don't know how they're going to divvy up the targets if Alshon is there and more than just Jalen Rager is, is an impact player uh, with J.J. Arcega Whiteside and, and, and what the tight ends and running backs do. Heath I want to conclude with Antonio Brown so people might forget but Antonio Brown in 2018 he was the number two wide receiver in non-PPR, number five in PPR. But statistically, there may have been some decline. Both 2017 and 2018, Brown's catch rate was about 62%. And the three seasons before that, it was 68.6% or higher. His yards per catch in 2018 was two, was 7.7. That was his lowest since 2012. Juju Smith-Schuster seemed maybe like he had a better year than Brown, except Brown caught more touchdowns. So we had discussions a year ago about if Antonio Brown was starting to decline. He was 31 at that point. He'll be 32. As you're listening to this, today is his birthday, July 10th, I'm pretty sure. So 32 years old this season for Antonio Brown. Um, And all we know is that he played one game last year. He caught four passes and he scored against the Dolphins. So, uh, you know... We don't know. We don't know if he's declining. Is that still part of what you're thinking? Is is he a wide receiver in decline? How do you uh, approach Antonio Brown? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's probably fair to assume that he's not on Julio Jones level right now. Um, but I, I'm go- working with the assumption that he's still on the Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton level. And I'm working on the assumption that if he gets a job with the team and everything else in the universe is okay and he's just playing football with that team, on most teams, he's going to be the best wide receiver on that team. Jamie, you mostly agree? It's so contingent on where he goes. I, you know, I, I would be surprised if he walks in the door at this point and he's the number one receiver on a team. Um, you know, there's obviously some teams that would be the case. Uh, like just off the top of my head, you know, Miami, he'd be the number one guy there. I would assume Houston, he'd be the number one guy there. Uh, I don't know if he's the number one guy in Seattle. You know, he profiles as it, but, you know, does Russell Wilson treat him that way in terms of how he spreads the ball around? You know, so um, I, I, it's, 
you know, I, I, I would not, I, I, don't, I don't know if Heath, you're referencing that you would rank him in the Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton range. Um, for me, he'd be closer to 30 than he would be to 20. Uh, initially, absolutely. I, I think another thing that matters a lot is does Antonio Brown sign the third week of July, right? As a team's getting ready to go to camp and shows up and finds a helmet that he really likes the way that it fits <laughs> and practices every day with the team. And that I would, I'd probably end up getting him closer to the 20 range if that was the case. But if it's going to be a deal where he doesn't sign until halfway through camp, then no, you can't get him anywhere close to that. All right. He goes to Seattle tomorrow. He is. Not suspended. F- clear to go for week one. Where is he in your rankings, Antonio Brown? 25, 26. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, man, how do you... I think I'd still... I don't know what i do with Lockett and Metcalf in that situation. Is it yeah, I, I would probably move Lockett behind... I mean, move Metcalf behind him. Yeah, I would have Brown ahead of. I think it'd probably be Lockett and Brown pretty close to each other. Yep. And then, I was gonna say like Lockett somewhere near twenty, uh, Brown somewhere near twenty-five, and Metcalf probably somewhere near thirty. But Heath, you're already down on Metcalf, I think, comparatively to like right. David yeah. David are. But I I couldn't I couldn't like rank Brown over McLaurin. I would probably still take DJ Chark over him. I know that probably sounds weird, but right now that's how I feel. Um, I would take Brown ahead of AJ Green. For example. Okay. All right. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, Apple podcast questions and emails to finish off the show and get you into your weekend. We'll be right back on fantasy football today. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Apple Podcast question from Grant. I'm joining a new league this year. I'm inheriting a team that I get to keep four players. 10-team, non-PPR, two-quarterback league. I can keep Matt Ryan for a second rounder, Josh Jacobs for a fifth rounder, Brandon Cooks in the sixth, Miles Sanders in the seventh, Matthew Stafford in the eighth, DJ Moore in the ninth, and Kenyon Drake in the tenth. Pick four of them. It's so easy. Well, it's two QB and it's non-PPR. I'm, I'm not keeping any of the quarterbacks. No, I'm not Jacob, either. Sanders, Moore, and Drake. Okay. Yep. Ten-team league, you should still be good. Sounded like you called me a moron. You said moron Drake, but like an idiot moron. Yeah, an idiot moron. <laughs> like you idiot moron. I hate you. That's still one of the best pranks ever. <laughs> I guess a decent prank. Uh, okay, from Maverick, can you please listen to the Green Bay Packers section of your NFC North coverage, most of which was spent on the Scott Fish draft. <laughs> Can you please go into detail about Devontae Adams, where you think he will finish, how many years he has left, etc.? Same questions about Aaron Rodgers. Possibly say anything about Funchess and his impact on the team this year. Will he take away from Devontae Adams? What about their O-line? How's that shaping up with the changes? You talked about Jones and a little on Dylan, but didn't hear anything about Jamal Williams. So let's do a quick, you know, uh, a redo of the yeah. Green Bay Packers. Well, like there is a reason we 
didn't say much about Devontae Adams. He's our number two wide receiver, and there's just not a lot of debate about him. He could be number one this year. Maybe he falls all the way to number five. Um, he's going to get a ton of targets. Um, I don't have a lot to say about Jamal Williams. He still might catch some passes. I think there's a sneaky chance that he could be the number two still, and A.J. Dillon could be behind him. Um, I don't have anything at all to say about Devin Funches. And Jamie, say something about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the Packers told us how they feel about Aaron Rodgers by drafting Jordan Love. Um, you know, he's uh, he's probably got a, you know, I don't know what his contract is, but two years left, three years left of of playing at this level. Uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't get any worse. But, you know, his uh, his touchdowns save him. His, his, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's just not one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the NFL. Fair enough. This is from Ernie. Again, we screwed up on the projections here. When uh, when you cover the NFC projections, particularly the Saints, and you don't mention the best player in the entire division, Michael Thomas. I have the fourth pick in my upcoming draft, and he's on my radar. Where's the info? Come on, man. Listen, Ernie. <laughs> we did these podcasts, covered eight teams per show and went like 20 minutes too long and we're getting yelled at by adam the entire time oh, please that we're taking too long to do the podcast so we don't talk about the obvious guys michael thomas is the best wide receiver in football if you're in a ppr draft i don't really think that fourth is too early to take him but he's right in that range between four and seven okay thank you here's another question about michael thomas this is from no name on this. Hey, Luther, Klaus, Klaus, Diego, and five. I don't know what this is. The Umbrella Academy? I don't know what that is. That's not really a thing, is it? I'm in a keeper league. I have Nick Chubb and Alvin Kamara. I have next year's second pick, so it's between Michael Thomas and Saquon Barkley. We start two running backs, three wide receivers, and a flex with half-point PPR. So he's already got Kamara and Chubb, and he wants to know, should he take uh, Barkley or Michael Thomas? What do you do? I would take Barkley and then just hammer wide receiver. Okay. From Andy in Germany, who should I keep in my standard scoring league? Darren Waller in the 10th round or Cooper Cup in the 5th round? It's 12 teams? Don't know. I would assume so, I guess. Um... Cup is probably going to be a third-round pick, so you're getting two rounds there, and Waller in the 10th, you said? Yeah, Cup in the 5th or Waller in the 10th? Cup. I'd probably keep Cup. Rob S., Dear Ripley, Dallas, Parker, and Lambert. Adam? No. Hmm. Dallas, Parker. I don't know. Uh, 12 team. I have the first pick in a 12 team, two quarterback PPR league, and I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. But after that, when would you draft your first quarterback? It's a 12 team, two quarterback PPR league. I'd see who's there at the end of round two. Who yeah, would, I who would have to be there? At least one at the two, three turn. Well, who would have to be there for you to take him? I mean, it definitely is not going to be Mahomes and Jackson. Um, it could be one of Murray. Watson, Wilson, and Dak. I think that's an easy pick. If those guys fall, they probably will not. But then there's where that's where the drop off happens. You know, so it's who do you like at seven, eight, nine? You know, that's the group of Ryan, Wentz, Brady, 
um, breathes, you know, so it's all a matter of, you know, what you, what you want to do and how you think your league is going to draft. So I, I would, I would look at it the two, three turn, uh, but I wouldn't reach for somebody unless you think, you know, you're going to just miss out on some significant runs. That's the problem when you pick on the end is you're going to miss out on, on the runs unless you start it. Yeah. I, I I'll amend it. If, if Dak Watson, Wilson and Murray are all gone, I would wait till the four or five turn. Uh, by the way, Ripley, Dallas, Parker, and Lambert is from Alien. Alien. I thought that's might have been. I, the only one I know is Ripley is is Sigourney Weaver, but I don't know the rest of the characters. I gotta watch that movie again. I just, I saw it once. I don't remember nothing. Gotta watch that one again. Uh, this is from Matt. I'm a commissioner, and I have begun trying to figure out what the best way to navigate roster spots for this season is. Our league is 14 teams. Do you think this could be a good way to deal with rosters in a COVID world? One quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, and three flex with five bench spots and one to two IR spots. There are a lot of leagues that are like that already, you know, that are moving toward just having flex spots as opposed to, you know, multiple positions, running back and wide receiver. But um, I don't know if that necessarily solves your problem completely, but the additional IR spot should. So you're just, um, you know, limiting what your starters are uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, I would, I'd add, I'd make it six bench and two IR. Okay. I mean, it makes sense to have more flexes and, and less requirements at running back and wide receiver. I get that. I think it's a good idea, especially in a 14 team league. This is Bob yeah. from the greatest baseball city on turf. All right. Miami. Bob in the Bronx. Beautiful. Uh, before there's too much urgent content, will you guys do an IDP segment? Um, you right decide now. that, Adam. Isn't that up to you and me, Adam? <laughs> I guess we probably should. Yeah. We always do it Let's after do it. we do our IDP draft. So, yeah, we, we could do it. We'll, we'll definitely cover IDP. Thank you, Bob from the Bronx. From Joe. Hey, Tom, Jimmy, Jacoby, and Cam. Oh, those are Patriots quarterbacks. 12-team PPR keeper question. Eckler in the third round or James Conner in the 13th? Wow. Probably Conner. Yeah, I'd go Conner. From no name. Dear Ron, Jay, Mike, and Jim. Ron, Jay, Mike, and Jim. Like four of the most generic names. Let's see who that is. Are those Anchorman characters? No. No, this is nobody. This is absolutely nothing. Yeah, it is. So figure it out. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The league that I'm in this year, 14-team redraft is full PPR with tight end premium, but it's 1.2 points per reception uh, for tight end. So it's not that big of a difference. One PPR for everybody except tight ends are 1.2. And there's also an extra wide receiver tight end flex spot. I have the 13th pick. I was wondering if Kelsey plus Kittle is a good strategy. Yes. Yes. Okay. Kelsey should not be there. If he is, I'd take both of them. All right. Why not just make it 1.5? Like, what's the point of 1.2? 1.5 is pretty severe. I think the kids say that 1.5 is too OP. What is OP? <laughs> what am I missing here? It's nothing bad. It's just that's the thing that is said. Really? Yep. OP. Yeah, no, I've got nothing. That's right up there with Jay, Ron, Mike, and Jim. 
Uh, all right, last question is Brent in Inglewood, California. I'm in a 12-team half PPR, four point per passing touchdown league. Which do you feel would give you a better overall team? Drafting a top two quarterback and a couple of late round tight ends or drafting a top two tight end and a couple of late round quarterbacks? That's Ron, cool. Jay, Mike, and Jim could be Washington head coaches? Good. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Wait, who's who am I missing here? Who's Mike? Shanahan? Shanahan. Oh, that's who I'm missing. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Good call. Damn it. David Heath, very OP of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Urban Dictionary right now. So what would you rather have? A top two quarterback and late round tight ends or a top two tight end and late round quarterbacks? It's two QB league, you said? No, I don't think so. Four, four point, point four touchdown. point per passing touchdown league. Uh, probably the tight end. Yeah, yeah. Op. Overpowered. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, Paladins have become way too overpowered. It's a video game thing when they bring out a new gun in Fortnite, and it's too, it's too effective. They complain about that. Um, All right, I'm gonna start using it. I'm gonna start. I gotta get cooler. Look, I gotta get cooler. Looking forward to you, you yeah, using it. I gotta. Is I'm just gonna go. Under, you get cooler. What'd you say? I think what what is more likely is that you are going to start using it, and everyone else is just <laughs> going to stop. <laughs> well, if you're sick of it, then you're welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm the guy who stops all the cool things. <laughs> Thanks uh, so much to Jamie and Heath and Ben Schrager and all of you for listening. We hope you have a great weekend. Remember to listen to Fantasy Baseball today. The position previews are done, and you can play for free now on our site, the CBS Sports Commissioner product. It's just incredible. So play Fantasy Baseball for free on our site, cbssports.com slash fantasy. Thanks again, everybody. We will talk to you on Monday with quarterback tears. Enjoy your weekend. See you.